uncovering some, some secrets that the Bible gives to this matter of having successful families. And I look around and I appreciate the spirit of all of you because it doesn't matter what age we are or how long we've been married. I think it, it's always important that we understand that we need to be reminded and we need to always be growing in areas in our, in our family. And all of us here this morning are at different stages. Uh, some have younger children. Some have children a little bit older. Some of our children are grown. Uh, and, and, of course, we understand that different, different stages of life for all of us as couples. But I want you to look at this verse that we're going to really spend our entire time this morning talking about. And that is here in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Now, when it says the word became flesh, what does that mean? What? Alive. Who is the word or what is the word? So God, more specifically, it's Jesus, right? So what does it say that he became flesh? Be became a human. Why, why did that happen? Why, why would that happen? Want to, want to feel what we feel so he can die for our sins. Now, interesting that the Bible says when he was made flesh, notice at the end of that verse, it says that he was full of what? He was full of grace and what? Truth. Now, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So not only was he full of truth, but he was the truth. Now that's very important because that verse right there is what we're going to center our lesson around today as we think about being successful families is having a balance. You know, I think it's so important that, you know, like you think about this. How many of you got up this morning and had a balanced breakfast? One, two, <laughs> How many of you didn't have breakfast? Okay, that's probably probably more than had a balanced breakfast. But you know, that's what they're always saying is, is there are certain things when it comes to uh, our life, it's our food, our lifestyle, that, that there needs to be a balance because what happens is when things get out of balance, our life seems to get difficult. And it's interesting that Jesus was a balanced person. He, and his, the balance in his life was something that stands as an example to us is the Bible says he was full of grace and truth. Now, you know, if we have a balance, then what we're going to have is we're going to have a harmony in our homes. Um, I think a lot of times homes are, <laughs> homes are in, you know, they're, they're chaotic sometimes because you have, you know, like the, the Chadwicks have teenagers, you know, and they're, they're always going here and going there and doing this and doing that. You know, and, and a lot of times there's not a harmony in the home. And it's important that we understand this matter of having that harmony. Well, that comes by having a balance. And it's, it's very important that we see this. In the Bible, uh, do you remember reading in the Old Testament about David? And David, you remember how David's son, remember Absalom? Uh, you know, uh, there were other children that David had. And there was, there was killing going on. Uh, David's home many times was in a mess 
Now, a lot of times we look at the kids and we say it's the kids' fault, but the, the reality is we're going to look today, many times it's not the kids' fault, it's our fault. Because the truth is God's the one that's given us the responsibility to raise them. It's our home, it's our family, and we need to understand that. When, when I look at, again, Jesus, and that's what we're going to use today, is Jesus is the picture-perfect example of having balance. So when you think of, of in your life or your home, what do I need to pattern my life after? Don't look at some person. And don't even look at the Joneses. Everybody always talks about, I want to be like the Joneses. I want to have what the Joneses have. Um, what you need to say is, I want to have what a home like Jesus would have. Uh, the balance that Jesus would have. And Jesus revealed the glory of God, but at the same time, Jesus revealed the perfect human life. He was, he was the greatest example of grace and truth. And that's, that's what we're looking at here today. I love this word full. Um, the word full, you may have it there in your notes. If not, jot this down. The word full means every area of his life was with grace and truth. There wasn't one area in Jesus's life that wasn't permeated by grace and truth. And Jesus, when we look at his life, he helps us to understand God, but he also helps us to understand how to, how to apply this matter of grace and truth into our lives. And, and when you look at it, look, grace and truth, they're inseparable. You can't have one without the other. And they go hand, they go hand in hand. So notice here that as you think about this, truth is something that truth by itself, okay? And a lot of times I'm guilty of this, maybe you're guilty of this. You know, sometimes I get to the place where I feel like, you know, I have the truth and people need it. And that is true. But you see, if you have truth without grace, truth will kill, okay? But if you have grace, grace without truth is like a cheerleader without a team. <laughs> you know, they go hand in hand, grace and truth. So here's, here's some things I want you to consider. Notice there in your notes, three principles. Notice the relationships of truth without grace. If you have a relationship with truth but no grace, notice those relationships will dry up. And here's why. Because it's all about the rules. It's all about do this, do that. But notice the second principle is, that if you have a relationship that's a relationship of grace, but you don't have truth, those relationships kind of blow up. There's no structure there. There's, there's nothing to guide. But notice here's the key is, if you have a relationship that has truth and grace, in other words, a balance, those relationships are gonna grow and they're gonna grow in the right direction. So, you know, th there's a wonderful illustration as, as I looked in the Bible most of you remember in the Old Testament, the piece of furniture that the Bible calls the Ark of the Covenant. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have at least maybe in a book or something, you, you, you visually or from the Word of God, you know what it looks like, right? Okay, so what it was is there's two, think about this, there's two pieces that make up the Ark of the Covenant. The first one is kind of a box type structure. And so that box contained three things. Does anybody remember what one of those three things were? That Robert, Aaron's rod. Anybody? Yeah. The the Ten Commandments. So the rod, the commandments. Anybody remember the third thing? Manna is the third thing. You get the prize today. 
And so, so, so here's the thing is, is if you think about that, okay, in the box you have Aaron's rod, you have the commandments, and you have manna, okay? Now there was another piece that made the Ark of the Covenant, and it was the lid to the box. The lid to the box was otherwise called what? The, the mercy seat. The mercy seat, the bema seat, sometimes it's referred to. And it had the two cherubims on top of it. Remember, it was overlaid in gold. All right. Now think about that. When the Old, uh, old Testament priest, the high priest, once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies. Okay. And what would he do when he would go in there? Does anybody remember? He, well, what would he do when he went in there? He would take the blood from the sacrifices and he would, where would he put it? He'd pour it on, on the top, the seat, the mercy seat, and he, it was called the Day of Atonement, okay? Now I'm going somewhere with this. Remember our lesson is about a balance of grace and truth. This is a biblical illustration, okay? So you have the box that contains the truth. It contains the commandments, all right? But you have the lid that is a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Because God says, listen, it is on that mercy seat that I will atone for the sins of the people. Everybody get in the illustration, all right? Now, what's interesting is when you think about this, the Ark of the Covenant was something that for a long time, it was kept in, what was it called, the area that it was called? The Holy of Holies. Everybody remember that? Now, think about this. According to the Old Testament, only the high priest was allowed to go in there. But do you remember what happened when Jesus died on the cross? What was one of the things that happened? The veil that separated, it was rent in two. So what happened was, is now access is made possible to God for all of us. No longer just the high priest. As a matter of fact, when you get in the, Old, the New Testament, the Bible says we are believer priests, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't have to go to some priest and tell my sins to him today and hope he gets them to God. I can go straight to God. Everybody with me? So here, here's the thing is with that thought in mind, all right, now that ark and the, 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 the presence of God, it's made available. Look in your notes there, Matthew 27, 51. The Bible says, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. And again, that's giving access to God. Or let me put it this way. We then are given access to grace and truth. Because remember what the ark represented. It represented the truth, but it represented the grace of God, the mercy of God on that mercy seat. Now, when you think about that in the, in the New Testament, the Bible says that no longer do we go to a temple like they did in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, now that we're living in New Testament times, who is the temple of God now? We are. Your body is, right? So now watch, get a hold of this, stay with me. It's important that you get this this morning. It's going to help us. But look at 1 Corinthians 6.19. Somebody read that first there. So 
you know, I don't know if you think of yourself like that, but think about this. Your body is the temple. So where does God live today? He's inside of us. It's not, it's not in a place called the Holy of Holies. It's not, you know, where, where nobody, look, we have access to God according to this, this verse here. So the divine presence that once filled that, those two pieces of the Ark of the Covenant, it now fills us as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody read Genesis 1.27. Anybody? So, so again, if we're believers, then according to the Bible, God's indwelling us. And if God indwells us, then what are we to do? We're to emulate God. Well, that means that we, remember what the Bible says in John 1, 14? Jesus was full of what? So guess what? We are supposed to be full of grace and truth. Because our, vibe, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. See, we've moved from Old Testament to New Testament, present day, God's living in us, just like Jesus was full of grace and truth. We are to be full of grace and truth. We are to be Christians emulating God in this way. Now, as you think about this, here, here's as we follow along and, and think about the Ark of the Covenant, all right? Having grace and truth, having grace and truth in our family, families and marriages, it reflects what God wants for our lives. But when we don't have grace and truth, okay? And I'm sure your, your home's like our home. When there isn't grace, and when there isn't truth, what are you going to have? You're going to have problems. Anybody ever have a problem in your home? <laughs> All right. So, so here's the thing is, it, 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 let's go back to the example of the Ark of the Covenant. All right. It, let's go back to the Old Testament for just a minute. Do you remember where uh, in the Old Testament it talked about how, see, the children of Israel, they understood the significance and the importance of the Ark of the Covenant. Right. They understood that with the ark came the presence of God. So what they came to, to falsely think about was, hey, if we take this piece of furniture with us into battle, it's going to give us an advantage. Remember that? Now, they, they tried that. Okay. Does anybody remember what happened to the ark? It was captured by anybody know by who? The Philistines. Now, you remember what the Philistines, they thought, Hey, listen, we've got the secret now. Uh, I mean, we've got, we've got what, what is important to, to the, the children of Israel. So they captured it. Well, does, it, does anybody remember, did the Philistines have a good time with it? Does anybody know why the Philistines had all those problems? It wasn't theirs. They weren't supposed to have it. It was, it was for God's people, Right. Yeah, so guess what happens? Remember what the Philistines did? They gave it back. Now, the people that they gave it to were called the people of Beth Shemesh, okay, the Bible talks about. So when these people from Beth Shemesh, now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been curious about something that might be in a present? Were you one of those kids when you were younger that you, you couldn't wait till Christmas time, and so you went and found where your mom and dad hid the presents? And you're shaking the body. Anybody like that? Come on, fess up this morning. Okay, just three or four honest people this morning, all right? 
So here's the thing is, don't you think that the people of Israel were curious, maybe those that really didn't understand or wanted to see what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? You know, curiosity was killing them, right? And so they decided that they were going to open it up. Now, look at, look at this verse. I think you may have it there in your outline there. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 19. Roman, is that verse there? Re- read that verse. So in one moment of time, how many, is it, is it, can anybody do biblical math? How many people died? 50,000, 70, 50,000 and 70, a score is 20. So three score is 60 plus 10 is 70. So over 50,000 men died instantly because they opened the Ark of the Covenant. They took the lid off of it. Now, here's, here's the point that I'm trying to get at this morning is, remember what the ark represented? Grace and truth, right? So you see what happens when grace, when the lid comes off and truth and grace are separated? You have problems. See, in our homes, when there's not, yes, there needs to be truth, okay? You need to have principles in your, in your marriage, in your home. But when there's no grace to go with it. See, what good is the truth if you can't share it with somebody, if you can't present it in such a way? You know, listen, all of us that have kids, we're real good about laying down the law. You know, it's going to be this way because I'm the head of the home. This is a dictatorship, right? And what happens is there's no love. There's no grace. Are you guys with me this morning? You understand where we're at? See, that's the problem is there's not a balance. Remember, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He didn't just have some grace and some truth. He was full of it in every area of his life. And the the Bible tells us that we need to be full in every area of our lives with grace and truth. So the Bible says here that these men, they divided grace and truth, 50,000 died, and a lot of Christian homes are just like that situation, like the men in Beshemesh, where there is an imbalance in the home. Okay, there's, there's a real imbalance. So they've cracked the lid, so to speak, on, on the ark in their family, and what happens? It brings destruction. See, sometimes you'll find in homes where they might lean towards the truth. And it might be all about rules. And some homes lean towards grace, and there's no rules. It's kind of whatever goes. Let the kids do whatever they want. I'm going to do what I want. And so I want you to notice a couple of things this morning. Notice, first of all, a balanced formula. And that's what we want to look at is having a balanced formula for parenting. Okay? Now, these three simple statements that you see there, they're equations. Everybody see those three there in your notes? Okay, now listen, this is something years ago I learned, and it, it's helped me tremendously. Now, have I been perfect with it? No. Uh, are there areas that I failed in? Yes. Okay, so I'm not standing here saying, hey, look, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the example. I'm standing here saying this morning, 
that God's word teaches what we're about to look at. And this is what, if your home's not this way, this is, this is what we need to pattern our homes, our marriages after. So notice the first one. It says here, rules plus relationship produce righteousness. Rules plus, here I got one. Rules plus relationship equals righteousness. Now what does that mean? That means that in your home, that if you have rules, truth, right, and you have grace, you have a relationship, then what are you going to have? If you have a balanced home, you're going to have righteousness. You're going to have a, a, a marriage that is a healthy marriage. You're going to have a wholesome marriage. You're going to have children that, that love their parents. Everybody with me this morning? But notice, secondly, if you have rules, but you don't have a relationship, that breeds rebellion. See, all my home is about is rules. It's my way or the highway. It's all about truth, but there's no grace. Well, when you have that type of scenario, you're going to have a rebellion. You know, I remember one time I came home from something. <clears throat> I'm just going to be transparent with you. I, I was growing in the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, my wife, wonderful wife, you know, I'm not saying she's perfect, but she's far more perfect than I am, okay? And I came home from, from a, a, a meeting or something, and, and the Lord was working in my life. I came home, and I, was, and I, I decided that I was going to tell my wife something she had to do. Now, right now, some of you ought to be realizing you don't tell your wife anything, okay? But I came home, and I, and I, and I literally said, you're going to start doing this, and you're going to quit doing this. And immediately she, she kind of kicked against that because honestly, she wasn't really doing anything that was wrong. And, and I thought, you know, well, I can't believe that. I can't believe that, you know, she had that kind of reaction to me. I'm the head of the home. God put me in charge of this. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, none of you ever have that kind of attitude. <laughs> I can tell I'm talking to a bunch of very, very holy people this morning. <clears throat> and, and so what happened was is after that that happened and I and it failed I thought I thought okay I'm just going to leave that alone and she probably remembers this too I don't know how much time went by but that very thing that I tried to tell her down the road I came home one day and I saw some stuff sitting out and I said to her I said what is that and I thought it was a package that came you know, even though I was a married student, I thought I, it was a package for my mommy, you know. I'm a married guy, but I was still looking for things for my mom while I was in Bible college. And, and so I saw this package sitting there, and I thought, you know, hey, my mom must have sent me a package. And she goes, no, those are my things. And I said, well, what are they, what are they out for? And she said, well, I'm, I'm just getting rid of them. And I looked at her, and then my mind went back to that conversation. And I remember saying to her, well, why? And she said, I don't know. She goes, I just felt like I, 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 don't, I don't need them anymore. I just wanted to get rid of them. And, and I remember walking away thinking, that would have probably been a better way to handle it. See, the Lord began to work on her heart. And see, when you have rules and you don't have a relationship, you're, all you're going to get is rebellion. I mean, it's, it's, some of you are shaking your heads. You, you, you now understand or you've understood for a while that that's what happens. It's, it, this matter of rebellion, 
parents demand obedience, but guess what, parents? Are you supporting that obedience with a relationship? You know, um, you know, think about this. One easy way, one litmus test is, do you know the, the, where the heart of your child is? Do you know how your child feels? And, and when I think about this, you know, a lot of times I think one thing that will help is parents spend time with their kids. I look back and I really wish I would have spent more time with my kids than I did. We're all, we, look, we have jobs that we have to work to pay the bills. And we come home, guess what? We're dog tired, you know? And what happens is, is we, we, we basically don't have time for our kids. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are like us. My kids are grown now. I can't go back. I can't get any of that back. You know, and, and there, are, there have been times. My kids, my daughters, uh, when they got ready to get married, I, I would take a day and have a dad-daughter day. And I remember thinking after I did that, man, I wish I would have done that when they were younger. Yeah, there needs, again, there needs to be that balance. Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, when you think about it, what are some ways that you can? I mean, to me, I mean, I remember we went to Universal Studios and we went in where the Minion thing was. I put on the goggles. My daughter still has that picture of dad wearing the Minion goggles, you know. Um, It's almost like, you know, dad really isn't real. He really doesn't take time. To be with me, you know, just to just to have a good time, you know, and I'm guilty. I mean, a lot of times to me, it's like I, I try to live a very disciplined life, and so when I do things like that, it throws my kids because they're like, "Wow, Dad can be fun," you know. <laughs> Does anybody else struggle with this? Yeah, you know. So, so listen, it, it says here that if we have rules with a relationship, it produces r- righteousness. If there's rules. And no relationship is breed rebellion. But look at letter C. When you have a relationship, but you don't have rules, then you're going to have destruction. You're going to have destruction. Parents have a relationship with their kids. You know, I, I meet from time to time, I meet these parents that basically they want to be their kid's best friend. Okay. Now, the way that they try to be their best friend is by having no rules, you know, Let's have, let's have the relationship but not have any rules. Well, you know, guess what happens when you have, think, think about our city here. If there were, you know, and listen, I'm the first to say that when we try to do something here at church, all the hoops you have to jump through with the city to get something, okay? But can you imagine what our city would be like if we had no rules? Can you imagine what the streets would be like if there was no speed limit? You know? You, I, I heard a guy talking this past week. I don't know if any of you, any of you guys ever been uh, on the Autobahn? You been on it, Tim? Did you drive on it? Yeah. So this guy was telling me that he said, you know, they actually claim that the Autobahn has the least amount of accidents than almost anywhere else in the world. But here's what they did say. But when you do have an accident, there's always a fatality. Because you can drive 120 miles an hour on it. 
But see, when you have a relationship that you don't have any rules, okay, it, it spells destruction. You know, you think about how many times that happened in the Bible where there was a relationship, but there were no rules. And, and so I'm going to give you a great illustration as we get a little closer. But notice when there's no structure, <clears throat> there's no expectations. Guess what? There's no consequences. The Bible tells us clearly a child left to himself will bringeth his mother shame. You know, you leave a kid go without any rules. Guess what you're going to have? That kid's going to self-destruct. He's going to destroy his life. You know, he's going to be like the prodigal that went and wasted everything that he got on righteous living. So we, we have to be careful. You know, sometimes, and I hope you understand this statement, sometimes as parents, what we want to do is we want to let kids follow their hearts. You know, whatever they want to do. Have you figured out yet that kids don't know what they need to do, what they should be doing? And when you follow, let a kid follow their heart, what does the Bible say? Well, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? You know, God doesn't tell us in his word, hey, follow your heart. Here's what God tells us. God tells us to follow his word. We need to follow the word of God. If we, if we follow our hearts, guess what's going to happen? Our, our, our marriages are going to be destroyed. Our children were going to be destroyed. We, we have to be careful about that. God gives children to us. Well, why does God give us children? He gives us children to raise them for him. And so that's why our homes and our children need to see us, listen, full of grace and truth. Everybody with me so far? Okay, now look at number two. This is interesting because they had done some, some studies, and here's what they have found is that children need and desire both. Now, you wouldn't think that. But see, that's the way God has made us, is that even children, they desire grace and they desire truth. See, a lot of times we want to take all the restraints off. But children need structure in their lives. Look at Proverbs 29. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So there's a place, you know. I mean, and I, listen, when I was a kid growing up, I had, some, uh, I had 39 cousins on my mom's side of the family, 39. When we had family get-togethers, we drove our grandmother crazy. She was only about four foot five, but I mean, we drove her crazy. My uncle, I had, he had five boys and one girl. And he, I'm not kidding, when he, when he disciplined his boys, there were times where he would use a two by four on them. Now that's not what the Bible means by a rod, okay? I mean, the Bible doesn't say you use a two by four on your kids. But see, understand that kids desire structure. Uh, my dad taught me some things when I was a kid. I remember one of my greatest memories when I was a kid growing up was I played what was called JFL football, junior football league. And I played JFL. And so when I was seven years old, I was introduced to my coach that I had for four years. His name was Dorsey Hale. And Dorsey Hale... In four years, listen to this, in four years, our team was 23-0-1. We never lost a game. We had one tie in four years. But that came with discipline. 
It came with structure. So here's what happened is I was seven years old and I was playing offense and they handed me a playbook. The playbook had 100 plays in it, seven years old. So you go to practice, you were supposed to memorize the plays, your blocking assignments. So I go to practice and I miss the block. And coach yells, Keely, take off. When he said take off, from where we practiced, there was a four by four post sticking out of the ground, four feet high. And it was a half a mile to the post. And you had to run to the post, around the post, and run back And it, while they kept practicing. And while they were practicing, he'd just look over, and then he'd keep practicing, coaching. And if he saw you stop anywhere in the mile, when you got back, he'd say, run it again. Now, some parents think, man, that's excessive. But I'm going to tell you, that taught me to have some structure in my life. And you know what that is? That's true. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of grace on that team. <laughs> and th that was something that I struggled with. And, and, and in, in life, understand that kids need to understand that the home, not the football coach, is the one that God's given to provide structure. If there is structure and no relationship, you know, sometimes you hear this, listen, in a situation like that, and this has happened many times, where if there's structure and no relationship, as soon as the kids get a chance, what do they do? Some, some girl, very young girl, will run off with some boy. Some young man, he's like, I'm out of here. Because there's no relationship. There's no love there. The home is not full of grace and truth, and this happens. And so there has to be, listen, sometimes when that girl will run off with some boy, what does she find? She finds acceptance that's being offered to her from someone else that should have been offered to her while she was living at home. You know, the same thing is true in our marriages. That's why a lot of times, and again, I'm, listen, I know some of you have gone through divorce, but a lot of times the reason divorce happens is because there's there's no relationship there and so what do they do they go somewhere you know it, there's no relationship so she goes to work in the office and some guy comes in to get some coffee in the break room and he starts chatting with her and he's smiling and being nice well she doesn't get that at home you guys you guys understand in this scenario this happens all the time and so there has to be the acceptance there uh, you know, when you think about our kids, look at Ephesians 6, 4. Somebody, somebody read that verse there, Ephesians 6, 4. Admonition of the Lord. So, so again, what does it say there? It, it, even when we raise our kids, you know, the Bible says, don't, you know, my kids used to always say to me when I was doing things to them, they'd say, Dad, the Bible says that you're not supposed to bring us to wrath. I'm like, you know, it's amazing that's the only Bible verse you all really know, you know. But nurture and admonition, well, you know what nurture and admonition is? It's a balance. It's a balance of grace and truth, you know. That, yes, there are times where you need to discipline them. You need to have structure for them there needs to be some rules and like melissa said there's times where maybe you need to have some fun with them you know there needs to be a balance and, and if there's not then the kids are going to see that 
and they're going to sense that. And, and so, you know, we are raising children. Well, when we're raising them, what are we doing? We're trying to raise them to have a relationship with God. And, and so God expects them to obey him. Well, how are they going to learn to obey God? Through the word of God. So, you know, it's interesting. Kids, you wouldn't think this. They desire, yes, grace and truth. What we need to do is teach it to them. Now, you know, it's, it's easy for me to understand, and maybe I should have learned this a long time ago, that it's okay to have rules. But if I have the grace along with the truth, it's much more palatable. It's much more accepted by them. And the same thing in our marriages, you know, is we should understand, just like our kids, that we should desire both of them to be full of grace and truth. Now, let me give you one last thing in this illustration. I hope will drive this home. And maybe this is something that you've thought of before, but it's an illustration of a happy family. A happy family. How many of you want to be a happy family? Okay. Now, have you seen this even around here where you're driving by a school? And sadly, back in the day when we were, most of us were kids, we didn't have all this fencing around the schools. You know, to me, it's just kind of sad. You drive by a school and you see 10 foot high chain link fence. Just sad. But you see a fence and inside the fence, there's a playground, okay? Now, again, when you think of that illustration, you know, as I sat and thought about that, a playground with a fence around it, what is the fence? It's clearly defined parameters, okay? That's, that's where the playground ends, where the fence is, okay? So when you think about that, the fence is there for safety. But, but also, inside the fence, it contains the fun. So same thing is true in our homes is we, like that school, we need to have some clearly defined parameters. This is where I think husbands and wives and even children struggle is they don't understand what the parameters are. They can't see where the fence is. You know, sometimes even as parents, we haven't said, okay, this is the way it's going to be. This is our home. Over the years, some of you that have grown kids, our kids at times have said stuff to my wife and myself. And they and, and we're, we're having these conversations, and I'm listening to these conversations, and I'm thinking to myself. And I looked at my wife, and here's what we said to our kids. We have always been this way. You have known that this has always been this way. It was this way before you were born. We haven't changed. We haven't moved the fence. It's still where I put it up. Are you, you guys understanding here? But see, because kids are always trying to move the fence, because they, they don't want to just have fun on the playground inside the fence. They want to move, they want to broaden it, okay? And so we've had to tell our kids, look, you have to understand as you're getting older, and it, it's, it's hard sometimes because, you know, you love your kids, the grace that's there. But the reality is, is God has given them to you, even as, as a husband and wife. And, and God says, look, don't move. If it was right back then, it's still right. Right? Does the truth change? Does God change? Okay. 
So the thing is, is that you have to establish. Now, I'm glad that my wife and I, early on in our marriage, we, the two of us, decided some things. And those things that we decided, we, your kids ever try to play you one against the other? Okay. Never? Wow. I want to talk to you. <laughs> but here's the thing is, is that as that happens and you're on the same page, then you're not going to have problems. You're not going to have problems. You've got to establish those. So as I think about this here, you know, if, if, if your child uh, is doing something wrong, okay, you see your kid doing something. Now, listen, I'm, I'm talking to you now as adults, as a mom and dad. The first thing you need to ask yourself is, have I trained them? Have I taught them? Because if they're doing something wrong, then have you taught them how to not do it that way and how to do it the right way? Now, if, you're, if you have trained them, then guess what? Then it becomes a discipline problem. Then you need to bring about correction because you have trained them. You have taught them. The Bible says train up a child in the way that he should go. See, if you haven't trained them, then it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. It's something that you need to take care of. A family with truth without grace is like a fence without a playground. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. A family with truth, you have rules, you have expectations. Without grace is like a fence without a playground. Children are confined inside of that fence, but what's going on inside the fence is just dead. There's nothing there. You've got to teach your children, and there's nothing wrong with this, that doing right is still the best. Teach them that doing right is the best. Make life fun. Show them that, that even serving God can be fun. Look at, look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine hand. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So look here, what are we talking about? Balance. Balance of grace and truth. And it's so important that we have it. Again, is there balance in your home? Is there balance in your marriage? Or have you tried to take the lid off? And when you take the lid off and separate grace and truth, what are you going to have? Destruction. So the, again, look at it. Rules without a relationship breed rebellion. Notice, secondly, relationship without rules brings about destruction. But the way to go is the balance of rules plus relationship produces what? Righteousness. Anybody have a comment or a question? Robert? 